The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run walls. If it's first and ten, walls. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to this Memorial Day edition of the Out of Structure Podcast. I'm Matt Stagner here, as always, with my guy, Ron Cobb Jr. Ron, how's the long weekend treating you? Oh yeah, dude. Had a barbecue yesterday with the family, had a water balloon fight. I know you've been doing some fun stuff. It's uh it's it's summer, man. It's feeling like summer. It's nice weather in Kansas City this whole weekend. And uh and, and yeah, so obviously it's the perfect time to talk about football uh three months away, right, Zach? Yeah, it's been great. We've got the pool going, we've had uh, a rock concert here on, on Friday night, so it's it's been fun. The the family's uh, enjoying the weekend. Pretty, yeah, St- worn Stag- out Stags was on the mic. Yeah, no, Stags was, <laughs> Stags was on the mic, rocking out, jamming out. I, uh, that, that's what happened, right? That's that's what, what we mean by a rock concert. The, the little version of me was uh, not not me myself. Uh, but anyway, this is uh, this is kind of a fun time of, of the Chiefs offseason because the weather's getting nice. Uh, but uh, but there's also some OTAs going on, right? There's there, we're in between the first two weeks of the organized team activities, which means. We start getting those nuggets coming out, uh, and, and everybody loves a good nugget. Everybody that has it has a little something they can pull from these these clips and these uh, notes that we can overreact to. So we're going to do plenty of that today. Um, what are, what are some of the things that you've taken away so far? Yeah, organized team activities is always fun. I mean, we joke about it every year. Stags probably the third one we've been through now together, where we're you know it was the. The Kyle Long starting at right guard, you know, that was that was a good one, uh, you know. And, I mean, I guess he was kind of the starter at right guard. You know, he, he was. Uh, yeah, it was always, a good, you know, uh, Devon Key uh, was, a, was a hot name that year. Um, but, but the boss man, Pete Sweeney, is, is, is leading the hype train on, on, on a Ross, wide receiver Ross. But not the Ross maybe you think. Uh, it, it's John Ross. The veteran receiver, the former first-round pick, the guy that ran four-two-two uh, at a forty-yard dash at the combine, and this is uh, the boss man's tweet. He said John Ross's speed is unreal. The twenty-seven-year-old showed every bit of that four-two-two as he raced past two defenders in red zone seven-on-seven for an easy touchdown. 
I asked Reed about John Ross and pros, the post-practice presser, and he wanted to talk about the uh, both Rosses. Quote to follow. Make sure you go uh, to the site and, 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 and check out that article. But he, he also kind of uh, – this was before, I think, but he said, uh, more notes in a little bit, but there's a chance Chiefs fans are getting excited about the wrong Ross. So we're already getting that hype, Stags. I think, uh, I think that's always fun because uh, that receiver room, we talked about it last week. You know, there's a lot of there's a, uh, a lot of receivers, a lot of names already, and we're going to talk about it even more this week. But man, you know, that could be even more of a shakeup if, if John Ross is uh, is really actually showing something. Yeah, of all the things you thought you were going to be hearing, I don't think uh, John Ross was was at the top of your list of what to be excited about for OTAs. But maybe we should have because this is the time of year when there's not a lot of contact, there's not uh, live you know scrimmage action the fastest guy is going to look the best in a lot of ways. And sometimes it's also the biggest guy, the guy who can out jump everybody. And so uh, I would expect that both Rosses are, are looking good. I do think it was notable as others have pointed out that Andy Reed, when he was specifically just asked about John Ross and he immediately pivoted to Justin Ross. So all the Justin Ross uh, truthers out there should be excited to say that he was sort of unprompted in bringing up Justin Ross and how he's progressed how his foot looks, how his health looks. All of those things are are positives uh, for Justin and his attempt to come back. Uh, but this is going to be a crowded room. And, and I don't know, I don't know unless you just slot John Ross into that McColl Hardman role, um, where else does he fit? Like how, how does he round out this room? Because, yeah, we talked about Richie James last week, right, as that extra receiver that maybe now they need because McCall Hardman's not here. They don't have kind of a return at returner at the receiver position that you want to put full-time. You obviously don't want to put Tony back there full-time. Sky Moore, please, no. So, you know, John Ross kind of does fit that role, and maybe he, that's where he's going to be competing with a guy like Richie James. Um, but, you know, as far as Justin Ross, you know, he's a guy that 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 has the – the video, you know, one of the videos that, uh, you know, he looked pretty good going through one little one little drill and, and the receiver next one was going very slow. So it made it look even better. So that's that's great. We always love those kind of videos. So uh, it's, it's it's OTA season and this receiver room is going to be a fun position to, to follow this offseason stacks because there is one, uh, you know, one big move that just happened. Big transaction that happened in the NFL that 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 is affecting, you know, the Chiefs could be in on, let's just say so. uh you know, the Chiefs, uh, the receiver position is just going to be fun to talk about this whole offseason. Absolutely. And everybody knows what receiver we're talking about because it's one that we've been talking about all offseason, whether it's a trade, an eventual re- release, or, you know, some other uh, mechanism for, for this guy to join Kansas City. It's been, it's actually gone on longer than that. I think there was speculation, you know, uh, over the last couple of years uh, for, for this guy. So, the news that, that Ron's referring to, of course, is the, the release of DeAndre Hopkins, the former All-Pro, leaving the Arizona Cardinals and, and the show that is the Arizona Cardinals. And the question is really, who's, who's going to be the suitors? In fact, the question isn't who's going to be the suitors. Let me rephrase that. The question is, who's willing to pay him what he wants to, what he wants to get paid? Yeah, no, I actually have a, a, a question from a, a listener, you know, a consistent listener of our show uh, to, to get us into this, this, you know, this discussion. You know, it's, it's from Stag DSP on Twitter. Uh, first time caller, love the show. If the Chiefs sign Hopkins, will people say they are all in for a Super Bowl run? I'll hang up and listen. Uh, sound, uh, Stag DSP sounds like a great guy. So shout out, shout out him, whoever that is. 
Uh, no, no, Stags. You, you, you posed that to me uh, in, the, in the wake of the news as Chiefs Twitter was excited about the, the fact that the Chiefs could now be in on just signing him instead of having to trade you know, assets to go get him. But you're right, you know, it's going to be a competition, man. You know, Albert Brewer's already said that the Chiefs and the Bills were both heavily contested, uh, you know, contesting with each other to go get uh, him, uh, you know, Hop- Hopkins when he was a, a still a Cardinal. Um, he actually mentions the Chiefs made progress, but Odell Beckham's deal, which was about $15 million in base, more or less blew that progress up. So the Chiefs, you know, we're, we're pretty heavily invested in getting after Hopkins, um, but he does confirm, yeah, but the, both the Chiefs and the Bills have talked directly to Hopkins and like him. And so this this is something that the Chiefs are going to be monitoring, are going to be in till the end on, you know, trying to see what they can do. But you're right, the money thing, you know, he, he's a really good receiver. He's an elite receiver. And, you know, now that he's on the free market, he can kind of ask for what he wants. Um, but that's there is still a good good part to that, right, Sags? Because I think having him in the contract he had before, you have to work around that. Now at least you can have the flexibility of negotiating a new deal. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not super confident right now that it's going to happen. Uh, I, I, I kind of tweeted it out. I think the Bills are, are the team that are going to be desperate enough to work things out and, and go get him and, and give Josh Allen you know, a, a plethora of weapons. What do you think about uh, you know, the possibilities of him actually becoming a chief? Yeah, it seems like Jeremy Fowler of ESPN is the authority on this right now, or at least the most vocal. Uh, he was out even this morning saying Chiefs and Bills are in, um, but the Bills have the upper hand. And he keeps blaming the Donovan Smith contract as why the Chiefs may not have enough money uh, to go get DeAndre Hopkins. That's an odd pull because that contract was was not nearly as big as it was, as it was reported. It doesn't affect their cap that dramatically this season. And we know that the Chiefs are low on cap space, but we also know that they have levers that they could pull. Yeah. Now, are they willing to do that? Are they willing to to leverage up? And and as the the brilliant uh, question asker said, uh, go all in and, and for a Super Bowl run. Yeah, you know this is this is one of those things that teams can do. Uh, it doesn't always work out that well, and so it's something that that the Chiefs have been reluctant to do in the past to to leverage up and go all in. Uh, in, in air quotes here. So they certainly would have to make some moves in order to free up some cap space to make any kind of a, a legit offer. You're right. The fact that they can negotiate a contract from scratch instead of dealing with what they had before uh, does make it easier. They could do a low first year cap hit, you know, spread the money out over a couple of years. That's something that that is is reasonable to expect if they're able to get it done. You know, I, I suspect though that that the money will be better elsewhere. And I'm not sure that's going to be in Buffalo either. Uh, I keep seeing little rumors about Cleveland maybe being in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems like a team that could throw some bucks his way. Uh, and he could he could squint enough to say that they might be competitive with him uh, to, to at least not sound like a complete liar when he says he wants to go to a winner. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I mean, Deshaun Watson, the familiarity there makes sense. Uh, I think Patriots makes a lot of sense, too. Uh, it feels like he just loves Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, you know, admires him a lot, and they do need that kind of outside perimeter receiver. They have good playmakers. They got Juju in there now. Um, but they do need that kind of, uh, you know, number one uh, X type of wideout uh, for Mac Jones because they run a very traditional offense that, that definitely, you know, kind of has that traditional role for those receivers. But – the most fascinating part to me about it, uh, Stags, the D-Hop situation, is what it could do to the receiver room. I mean, we talked about it last week. We spent a lot of time actually last week talking about breaking down 
the receivers by, you know, what kind of yardage we could see each guy get, you know, uh, and, and kind of just how the whole uh, production could break down the, the pie, you know, how the pie chart would look. Throwing him in there, throwing DeAndre Hopkins in here, you know, you're obviously not bringing him in to be, you know, a, a, a role guy, you know, in, in certain situations. I mean, he's, he's not at that point in his career yet. He's going to be coming in to be the team's number one wide out playing, uh, you know, all the time in the most crucial situations uh, constantly. And that puts you with, you know, D-Hop, you know, Kadarius Toney, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice, Justin Watson, and that, you know, and that doesn't include, you know, guys like Richie James we just talked about. Um, you know, we don't need to include the Ross in this, in this actual discussion. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I just – it gets so deep, and that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, a guy like Rasheed Rice getting put, pushed down that far, um, or if he really steps up and, and does look better than a guy like Sky Moore – you know, Sky Moore getting pushed down, you know, that far. I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, different things that could really, uh, you know, it really push a few guys down. But, you know, depth is good. Right. So I don't know. We can't be complaining about that. Yeah, it, it would go against what the, the trend has been for the Chiefs over the last couple of years, which is player development and, and draft uh, and youth and cheap players. I mean, this is yeah. this would really you know throw that strategy out the window or at least be uh, contrary uh, to that strategy. And yet, you could argue that Rasheed Rice is—he's not the youngest prospect in the world. He wasn't one of those guys that was, uh, you know, just twenty years old or twenty-one coming out of the draft. You push him back another year, uh, right. all of a sudden he's, uh, you know, he—he he is losing a year of of productivity. Uh, as we know, it takes a while for rookie receivers to produce in this offense. You would expect Sky Moore would be on the upward trajectory this year. You know, would this hint? hinder that or, or would it help maybe take some of the attention away and, and open up some, some possibilities for him. It, it is a, it, it would alter the room, but it would give them that true number one that they haven't had since Tyree Hill. Uh, and, and so that, you know, it can't be a bad thing. You know, you, you've right. <laughs> you've really insulated yourself and yeah, it, it would be bad news for some of the young players trying to make the roster or, or the John Rosses of the world trying to come back uh, onto a roster. But it wouldn't be bad for Mahomes or the offense. Well, I mean, let me ask you though. I mean, are, are we a hundred percent sure about that? You know, I, I, you know, I've been skeptical about, you know, the type of receiver Hopkins is and how he fits into the offense. You know, I, I do think, you know, with where the receiver position at is at for them right now. Yes. They probably could use this kind of talent. Um, if they really want to, you know, continue to be a Super Bowl contender, uh, you know, uh, next season, um, you know, obviously I think they will be a super contender either way, but to really take them over the top, but I, but are you really that confident that you know he's not going to be a Julio Jones that comes in and you know doesn't look? That, I mean, you know he is older. He's 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 dealt with injuries. I mean that is kind of the risk here and why you know they may have their kind of you know their ceiling on what how much they'll they'll kind of offer him to to take. So I don't know how confident are you feeling about it? Yeah, that, that's a fair point. I mean, he hasn't been you know uber productive. In, in a full season over recent years. Obviously, there's you can point to a lot of reasons for that. You can say it's the quarterback. You can say it's the offense. You can say it's a terrible team all around him. He's had suspensions. He's had injuries. I mean, there's been a lot going on with him. And so you would be banking on him getting back to himself if you're going to pay him 15 to $20 million a year, as, as reported, as might be the asking price. Yeah. Now, if you get him for a lower deal, um, then it's not a big deal if he's not the number one guy. Uh, right. But – you ask, I think you asked if he fits what they want to do on offense. And I think the Chiefs have told us that they want a player like him 
not not only that they've been interested in him forever, that they had Juju Smith-Schuster who fills, you know, not the exact same role, but but does some similar things. And then you draft Rasheed Rice, who models his game after DeAndre Hopkins. So this was a not saying he's going to be the next nuke, but he, he at least is that same style of player and somebody who models his game after him. You can tell that there's a role for somebody like him here. Uh, and if you can get the the guy himself as opposed to somebody who's who's hoping to be that guy, then 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 why not? Even if it's only for a year, even if it's a, a you know a, a contract that that pushes people back a little bit. But uh, I'm not gonna guarantee. I don't think I'm gonna draft him in my fantasy leagues or anything like that if, if he signs <laughs> with the Chiefs. But I, I think uh, I think he's a he's a presence that would be helpful. Uh, he'll make some plays for the team. He'd probably pull some attention away from other guys, which which could be a, a positive thing in in the short run. Yeah, and and I think you're uh, that's a really good point with the Rasheed Rice. You know, them drafting that kind of receiver. You know, Rasheed Rice's ceiling is DeAndre Hopkins, the type of style player he is, the type of you know what he does with an offense. And and so when you think about it like that, Black Elf nineteen at Black Elf six six two four on Twitter. You know, if if this signing does go down, he he asks the question here: Does this offseason get an A plus if they land a quality receiver like D Hop and re-sign Chris Jones? He adds the caveat re-signing Chris Jones, but I think. Well, I mean, I think re-signing Chris Jones is very important, but I, you know, I, I think even just the uh, landing a quality receiver like D-Hop could be uh, the question here. But he says, been happy with everything Beach has done this offseason with the exception of the lack of starting quality receivers added. So obviously Hopkins would, would help him there. I don't know, Stags, how good is this offseason? I mean, are, you know, is it, are, are, we, uh, are we kind of uh, you know, in, in honeymoon phase with the Super Bowl? A win that we're kind of just thinking everything's going to work, you know, work great. Every move that we're, we're seeing right now. Uh, what are you thinking? You know, it's a reasonable question. I, I think there's still some people that are a little worried about how the offensive tackle situation is going to shake out. Uh, I like that they've thrown a lot of bodies at it and they'll let it sort itself out. The offensive line could be the deepest unit they've had in a long time. And it could be at least as good, if not better than what they had last year, depending on who lines up where. Um, so, you know that I think they addressed that in a, in a pretty efficient manner, a pretty good manner. Um, they added, they haven't added a lot of receivers, but I do like the Rasheed Rice uh, addition, and, and I think I think Richie James is is being very much underrated. If 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 they don't bring in um, DeAndre Hopkins, I think Richie James is a guy who makes the team and, and contributes some and some some interesting roles. Adding adding new to the list of receivers all of a sudden means that whole bottom half of the of the wide receiver depth chart is going to be scrambling. And there's going to be a, a lot more bodies for a lot less uh, spots and it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. But overall I'm content with the off season. I do think a Chris Jones extension is, uh, is the one thing that would put it, put me over the top even more than, than Hopkins. Uh, so it's, I think it's an a off season with the Chris Jones uh, contract extension. And it's an a plus if they, if they throw Hopkins in there just for good measure, um, I like that. So yeah, that, that's where well, I'm at at this point. Well, and but I'll I'll say too. I as a fan, you know, I know, you know, I I don't want to sit down and do the logistics of it because I I do think there's some arguments that I would maybe could see and and maybe not extending a guy like Lajarius Sneed. But as a fan, I think a plus off season would be not only extending Jones but Sneed too. I just love rooting for that guy. He's such a fun player, and uh, it would be nice to have him here. 
as kind of a staple of the defense. And I could see it, right? I could see it, but, you know, it's just they've been drafting so well in the secondary lately. Uh, you know, maybe there's a, an argument to be made that they don't need to. So Yeah, it's, it's there's there's certainly arguments. And, and as soon as they drafted uh, Connors, I, I felt like, hey, that's that's somebody who, yeah. you know, is a little Sneed-like. So you can see them making plans for just in case they're not able uh, to re-sign him. So I, I do think uh, that that is something that should be on the to-do list. They should be working towards that, but they probably have a little bit more leverage in that situation, just given the the depth and their ability to find guys. Um, Chris Jones being the big one. I do think it's interesting as they talk about DeAndre Hopkins and Chris Jones being contingent upon one another. A lot of people have pointed out the fact, and not inaccurately, that if you sign Chris Jones to a long-term deal, he's got a low first-year cap hit, and then you can use some of that money to, to sign Hopkins. That sounds great, and, and, and it's not wrong, but if they sign Chris Jones to that long-term extension, they're going to be dropping substantial amounts of money, $50 million or more, into that uh, escrow account for his guarantees. And the, there is a factor of cash and cap hit when you go to sign a contract. And they're going to, you know, Clark Hunt's cutting a big, a big check there. He's got, obviously cutting huge checks to Mahomes. Uh, there may be a limit to their cash outflow uh, that, that may hinder them even more if they sign Chris Jones. So maybe the Chris Jones contract could be seen as a, as a negative towards signing Hopkins because of the cash outlay that they're going to have to give for him. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, D-Hop's going to be demanding some cash, right? Like, you know, he's 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 not going to be, you know, signing a long-term deal that's backloaded. I, I'd imagine he's he's going to be getting some cash. Um, yeah, right he'll now. want some guarantees. And, and, you know, again, you look at look at what uh, Odell Beckham Jr. signed for, and, and that right. was that was not nothing. And, and if that's the, the benchmark that he's looking at, then, then it's going to be tough. So I would – just kind of getting back to our original question, we can move on from the DeAndre Hopkins talk. Uh, yeah, I would mm-hmm. say it's it's like a twenty five percent chance at this at this point uh, is kind of where where I would I would benchmark it. I don't know what you're thinking. Oh yeah, I mean, let's see. I mean, odds wise, I, I definitely wouldn't get it close to fifty fifty. I, I think I don't think the Chiefs have that good of a shot. Um, you know, twenty five. I'm probably in your same ballpark. I'd probably say I'd probably say a little higher just because. Veach, you know, when he wants something, man, that 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 guy does get it done. Um, and so I could see Veach being aggressive, maybe almost overly aggressive, but um, just getting done, getting his quarterback an elite receiver. He tried to get get after AJ Brown. Uh, you know, that's been reported on. It's been talked about. You know, that's you know, it, he, he's been in on this before. And Howie Roseman's that kind of GM too. And and he just out outdid Veach that time. You know, maybe Veach, you know, doesn't want that to happen again, but. Uh, let's move on stags. Let's talk, let's talk a little, let's have a little fun with, uh, with, with kind of talking about the NFL, um, kind of a question posed from C dot Harrison, uh, six ten sports host, uh, on the drive in the afternoon. Uh, he posed this on Twitter aside from the chiefs, which team are you most confident in to repeat as division winners? There's a couple teams that stand out to me. Um, stags, you got anybody that stands out to you? Well, first of all, I love it when we steal other people's mailbag questions. Uh, exactly. So shout out to Carrington. He's uh, he's always been a, a good friend of the show, but but uh, he didn't ask us this specifically. I just thought it was a great question to talk about. Uh, <laughs> right. So so we're we're doing that. 
Right. Well, hey, I mean, if I'm if I'm going to go mine, I mean, my first one. Well, I mean, the NFC is kind of obvious to me. I think the Eagles are are just obviously, you know, uh, I know that division is going to get tougher, but uh, mm-hmm. that that team is just so locked and loaded. I think that team's definitely going to win their division again. Um, but give me the Jaguars as kind of that team in the AFC that, you know, the, the Titans are always going to be there. Right? They're going to be feisty, but they're just I don't think they're ready to win in, in a, a division. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of a weird team right now where uh, I, it is Tannehill and Derrick, Hill, uh, Derrick Henry's last stand. And they'll probably put together a pretty competitive season. But um, I don't know. That roster is just not very impressive. And the Jaguars just seem to be ascending. So give me the Jaguars to repeat in the AFC South. I, I'll, I'm going to go NFC West with the 49ers. I mean, that lo- okay. that roster is loaded. That's a team that that has uh, – they've got some weapons. They've got a great defense. Um, you know, it doesn't seem to matter who the quarterback is, so so they'll they'll right. figure something out there. Um, and really, that's, it's kind of a weak division overall. I think the, the Rams are paying the price for loading up when they did, and, and the Cardinals are the Cardinals. So uh, it's, it's the 49ers and the Seahawks there, and I think the, the Niners are still a, a cut above. From the AFC, you know, maybe this is controversial, but I'm, I'm going to stick with the Bills in the East because, you know, I think the Dolphins and Jets have, have made some progress, but I think Buffalo is still going to be the team to beat there. Uh, hey, maybe they'll have uh, New Hopkins out there along with their – but they're already loaded at wide receiver. I don't know that, that adding a receiver moves the needle for them, but I just think that's a that's a quality roster as well. Uh, and uh, their, their offseason moves, I think, were, were pretty solid. So – uh, I think they hold off the rest. Yeah, I'd probably, I would probably bet or lean towards the Bills repeating, but yeah, I, I do think that division is going to be pretty tough. Um, you know, just pretty, they're going to beat each other up the Jets, Dolphins, Bills, and Patriots. Just a lot of competitive teams. Where do you want to go here? Do you want to talk through a, a few odds, Stags? You want to talk through some of Yeah, some I think this is pretty interesting. You know, if, if we're, if we're kind of setting our odds on who the, who the teams are that might repeat, um, you know, where would you think the – who do you think the Super Bowl favorite is going to be for the, for this season? I mean, I think that's, you know, it's pretty reasonable to expect uh, that it's going to be one of the, the two participants from last year's Super Bowl, right? Yeah, no, right now in DraftKings, the Chiefs are the, the current Super Bowl favorite at, at six to one odds. Um, so that is kind of surprising. You know, I, I figured the Eagles maybe would, would – e- even with the Chiefs beating them, I figured people would get so excited about the Eagles they'd get ahead of them. But the Eagles are just behind them. At plus six fifty, so just uh, you know, just uh, better odds slightly. Um, but the Chiefs are the the clear AFC favorite. They're at uh, plus three thirty. The Bills are at plus five hundred, five to one odds, and the Bengals are right behind them. So it's still the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals at the top of the AFC. And the Chiefs are actually the favorite right now to have the most regular season wins too, as well. Um, four to one odds there. And yeah. Mahomes is and Mahomes is the MVP favorite, so he's favored to repeat over Burrow, who's who's pretty close to him, and then uh, Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts right behind him. So, the Chiefs right now are are uh, the Vegas still loves them, and and they should right. I mean, they've earned the respect, and and I'm glad, I'm glad you know Vegas and 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 kind of the the betting uh, universe isn't overthinking this because this is kind of how it should be, honestly. The Chiefs kind of being at the top of all these lists. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the Eagles end up with a Super Bowl hangover like you've seen from other teams, right? You're the, the the losing team in the Super Bowl has struggled the following season a lot of times. Uh, so I don't know if that's going to hit the Eagles given the strength of their roster. I mean, all they did was just destroy the draft and trade for a good running back and do, <laughs> do just, just about everything they could to continue loading up. It's hard to see them falling off, but um, – 
if you're a betting person, you probably look at that trend and say the Chiefs are more likely to repeat than the Eagles are to uh, uh, to make a jump after losing the Super Bowl last year, just historically speaking. Well, hey, and I I, I will say, uh, you know, in terms of betting odds, you know, I, I, I want to throw some cold water on a potential uh, bet that Chiefs fans could make this year. I've already seen – I can't remember who said it on Twitter. I, I wish I could give them – little shout out but uh they were they were kind of wanting to hype up chris jones to to win defensive player of the year i i i'd I'd throw some cold water on that man i think last year was really his big best chance to win it i really think he had a he had a good chance to win it He, he probably had a good argument if the playoffs are included i think he definitely wins it i mean that afc championship performance uh you know we i remember us talking about on the pod one of the best all time in terms of individual defensive pass rusher and i just feel like you know, he's going to have that momentum maybe in terms of like, uh, you know, his, his reputation across the league. Now he's like, you know, no one questions how an elite of a player he is. I just feel like, you know, you can't, it's hard to have those back-to-back defensive player of the year type of years, uh, you know, and he's already, you know, he's already been in, you know, and he's not like an ascending player, right. He's already kind of been at that level. I think that was really kind of his, his, you know, I hate to say it like this. I don't, I'm not trying to say it's his last, it was his last shot at winning defensive player of the year. I still think he's going to be an elite rusher, but you only get so many shots where you're truly one of the best players. You know, you played all every all season. You were consistently dominant. That was him last year, but I would not bet on it to happen this year. Even so if Vegas has him seventh in, in odds uh, for defensive player of the year. This right. Yeah, 25, I mean, to, 25 to one odds. Yeah. I mean, I think Micah Parsons is, is kind of that guy right now that just has the attention of the entire league. Uh, I saw that they're going to change his role up a little bit to make him even more of a pass rusher, right? So uh, we'll we'll see uh, how that plays out. I, I tend to agree with you on Jones. I mean, this was a career year and it was a contract year. Uh, yeah, you know, potentially, right. you know, if he gets paid this this off season, you know, there's just not the same. Not that he's not going to be motivated, but uh, you know, you wouldn't expect a career year after somebody gets paid. You expect it going into that time. Right. And I do think there's also the, just the, the basic component of, you know, it was a long season and, you know, you only, you, you, there's always going to be injuries on the defensive line. He had good injury luck last year. They got more depth this year, right? We're going to, you know, we, we're thinking maybe Charles Amenehu, uh, you know, can maybe even spell Jones, let a, uh, you know, I know obviously going to play next to him on the inside on pass rush downs. But at times, you know, you know, it, it could help that Omeni, who's a similar type of rusher inside, you know, long arm kind of just, you know, kind of that freak uh, with his size. Um, I, I do think they have more weapons maybe this year to, to spell Jones and rushing. Cause he was really their only factor. A lot of times in the pass rush uh, at times last year, I think hopefully this year they have more answers. So maybe that could help him not play as much but still be dominant in the reps he does play. Speaking of pass rushers, they've got a rookie. Do you think FAU has a shot at defensive player or defensive rookie of the year? Excuse me. Yeah, he's he's 12th in uh, in odds, which I guess probably makes sense. He was probably one of, that was probably where he probably went in terms of defensive prospects in the draft. Was probably, he was probably around the 12th defensive player picked. Um, but I, I, I would not bet on this. I, I don't think he, he's going to have maybe the production. Um, he could, right? I, I do think he could uh, step in in, in in terms of being on pass downs, just always being in favorable situations, you know, kind of cleaning up uh, where Jones, Karloftis, and Omenihu or what are, what they're doing. I mean, if he can really, uh, you know, kind of rack up the sacks, he can get up there. But uh, I, I wouldn't bet on it, man. I feel like he's going to be a guy that, you know, uh, we see flashes of this year. 
um, you know, get excited about, but but nothing to to really uh, prove anything. But then year two, year three, man, you you really start to see it come together. Yeah, and then they also have odds on Rasheed Rice for offensive rookie of the year. Uh, seems like a pretty much a long shot there as well. Sixteenth in, in the odds. Yeah, and that's you know that's not bad uh, in terms of you know who he is as a player, but it's just you know Chiefs offense obviously going to prop him up, but. Hey, if that D Hop signing happens, you're going to see that plummet. Um, so I would not take those odds. Those that is a that would be one of those. That's a stock that you you, you don't buy right now, Sags. You kind of you kind of wait on that one. I think you'd be buying you'd be buying way too high. I would say on that one. Yeah, I, I think your rookie of the year odds are probably better for for one of the running backs that gets featured um, as as opposed to one of the receivers that's in an offense that spreads the ball around as much as the Kansas City Chiefs do. Yeah, how does, let's get to our. How does Bijan Robinson not win offensive rookie of the year? I'm sure he will. Let's just, just I mean, take those odds. You'll, you'll sure, that, that would be that would be an easy one. Let's uh let's move on to our guy Mark Gunnell's question. What Chiefs player are you most excited about for this upcoming season? Yeah, he says for him it's Sky Moore. Um that's a good one. I, you know, obviously second year player, you know, someone that's gonna have to naturally step up. Mine is a very similar uh, – I, I basically described him there. Uh, same same kind of pro- profile. Uh, you could even say second-round pick, too. Brian Cook, the safety, uh, last year drafted out of Cincinnati, played uh, sparingly last year, kind of just mainly in the dime defense as that third safety, um, let Justin Reed come into the box so he could play in the back. Um, definitely had an up-and-down rookie year, right? You know, there were some uh, – definitely some highlight moments. He had the tip-up interception in the AFC Championship game um, to Joshua Williams. But in that same game, he had, what, two special teams penalties, uh, and that was uh, something that ha- kind of happened a few times during the year. So you can definitely see some of the inconsistencies, but you can tell that he's an aggressive player, you know, a, a passionate player, definitely someone that has kind of that that leadership that you like to see at the safety position. Um, I'm excited to see how he grows as a player. Obviously, Juan Thornhill's not here, here anymore, and it does seem like the Chiefs, from, from all the talk, you can kind of tell from how they talk about him. They're just kind of saying, hey, this is you. You're stepping up into the Thornhill role. It's you and Justin Reed, and we'll figure out the safeties behind you guys. But it's you two stepping up. It seems like that to me. I mean, obviously, we have a whole offseason to go. Uh, guys like Mike Edwards, uh, you know, other guys, Deion Bush can still prove something. Uh, Chamari Connor, obviously, the guy they just drafted. But I think I think they're, they're banking on Cook. I think he made enough of a step last year as a rookie, and I'm excited to see what he can do this season in that role. Yeah, early returns seem very positive on him from from OTAs so far. Uh, there's a lot of talk about him being being the vocal leader on the defense already, uh, and, and a guy with a ton of confidence, which is exactly what you need to see from him. I'd be excited about Kadarius Tony, obviously, because you know there's he's going to be given every opportunity to be the guy, and if he's on the field for, I think if he's on the field for 15 games this season. He's a thousand yard receiver without without too much hesitation. It, there's still a big if there, but you know, there's a lot more to his game that they haven't even un, unleashed and, and unlocked as he gets to know this offense a little bit better. Um, I think it, he's gonna make this offense really fun to watch if he's on the field this year. Yeah, no, I would definitely say Tony is an exciting player to watch, man. I mean, like he he definitely in terms of how like quickly, the thing that always impressed me about him last year is how quickly he came into the offense and was able to pick up stuff and, and play as a legit receiver, but also do some of the gadget stuff right away. And I just feel like with the whole offseason of, of kind of Andy cooking up what he can do with him, um, you know, and obviously he's had players similar to, to him in the past. But, you know, I, I do think 
Tony doesn't have the same reputation as maybe a guy like Tiger Kill in the past. So maybe that helps him maybe be a little more open for some of those uh, those trick stuff to, to kind of open up and be available to them. So I will, say, I will say Gunnell says uh, a Sky Moore is the guy he's most excited about. And that's another one to really, yeah, you know, who really could take a step. He he looked lost a lot of times last year. He really did. And yeah. Uh, but when he got the ball in his hands or when he got targeted, like pretty good things happen most of the time, right? So I, I think there's a there's a real chance that he moves ahead on the mental side of the game and, and the physical stuff is already there uh, with those giant mitts he's got. Uh, you know, he should be yeah. a he should be at least a reliable target this season, uh, assuming he's got his uh, he's in the right place at the right time. No, he really is a, a guy that has you know he could be he could be really high on the depth chart or, you know, especially with the D hop stuff, he could all of a sudden find himself falling if he doesn't prove himself this off season. But I think you're right. I think he can do a lot of the same thing Juju did, honestly. Um, you know, for, even though he's a little shorter, you don't think of him maybe in that same respect. I think he can catch over the middle. I think he can run routes pretty well. I think you just mentioned those big hands. He can catch, uh, you know, tough, but, he, but yeah, he's a hard runner too. I think they like him and I, and I like what he can bring to the offense. So yeah, definitely excited for Sky Moore. Well, Ron, this is probably a good time to take a little break, pay some bills, let our hear from our sponsors, and, and go with our weekly Would You Rather to go out of the break and back in. You're up this week. What do you got for me? All right, Memorial Day weekend. You know, I was doing maybe uh, – well, I wasn't doing any either of these things. But if it was a beautiful summer weekend and you, and you had the choice to do one of these things, Stags, would you rather play some pool volleyball or some beach football? I think that's I think that's tough. There's some fun activities, Stags. So we'll 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 get your answer on on the other side. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back here on the Out of Structure podcast, breaking down the Chiefs offseason. Thanks for checking us out. Thanks for listening. 
Stags, I left the listeners and you with a with a would you rather, a summer would you rather. Hope everyone's enjoying their Memorial Day weekend or enjoyed it. I should say you're probably listening to this as you're kind of getting back into work, uh, unfortunately. But uh, summer would you rather, pool volleyball or beach football? Stags, you had to pick one. Uh, maybe just which one are you better at? Maybe let's just go with that. I mean, I could see you being a, a heck of a volleyball player. <laughs> you know what? I, I can I can hold my own probably at either sport. I wouldn't say I was I'm going to be excellent at at, uh, at at either. I I like pool volleyball um, as long as the pool's at the right depth, right? So it has to be like right. You yeah. have to be in the part of the pool where you can still jump out of the water if you need to, but you're not treading water the whole time. Like I'm not playing water polo anytime soon. That's that's right. not in the cards. Uh, but I will say, yeah, even though I have a pool, I prefer the beach. Uh, to a pool uh, and and I, I did love some flag football in my day that's been my uh, uh, that was my go-to sport as a you know college and and, I, and just after college you know playing some some old man flag football uh, I think flag football on the beach just the setting there uh, I think that's uh, uh, that's where I'm at yeah I'm with you no it's funny you mentioned the depth because that's my reasoning uh, for not maybe picking pool volleyball. I love me some pool volleyball, but I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little on the short side, you know, and uh, it can be a little disadvantageous depending on what pool we're playing in. Yeah. Uh, plus but, uh, somebody hits the ball out of the pool. Then somebody has to get out right. and face it. You know, it's, it's a whole thing, but exactly. Yeah. No, I, the fo- football and, and, you know, the height doesn't get a neutralized. I was a, a, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be all time quarterback if we need one, you know, it's, it's a good time on the beach for sure. That sounds good to me. Well, hey, let's let's get a couple more questions in here, and then we'll talk about some big sort of news items that uh, uh, that affect the Chiefs uh, in one way or another. Uh, Jake Wilson at Jake for now, our most consistent question asker, says what what Chiefs players that are currently on rookie contracts are most likely to sign multi year second contracts with KC, and which are least likely. I love this question. Because of how specific Jake gets here, it's not just who's going to stick around for an extra year after their deal is done, uh, but who's actually going to sign that that multi-year second contract. It's not Derek Nani signing an, another one-year deal, you know, or something like that. We're looking at who's really in the long-term plans after their first rookie deal. And with the youth on this team, this is a long list of, <laughs> of potential characters to, to debate here. So... I'm going to let you get started with um, – why don't you give me a couple that are most likely? One screams out to me. It's it's Creed Humphrey. I really feel like just having a center, you know, having a reliable center is so important. Um, and, and where they're at with him right now, you know, you already know he's one of the best centers in the NFL. There's no question about it. You have pretty much confirmed that through two years. Everyone know, knows it. Everyone says he is. So next year, when you do have the ability to extend him, you know, before that fourth uh, season on the rookie deal, you can do it probably at a pretty good rate. You know, obviously he's going to get paid the best, you know, deal in in the NFL for a center, but centers don't get paid that much. So I think it's super obvious that he's going to get, you know, maybe probably a market setting deal for centers. But again, you know, I don't, that's not the same as, you know, uh, paying a receiver at the top of the market or, or someone else. So Creed absolutely, I think is going to get signed to the long term the most likely to me, number one on this entire list to me. Uh, Nick Bolton, though, is, is a close second to me. I think Nick Bolton, I think you're, you're kind of seeing that, first of all, the organization is kind of, uh, they're kind of promoting him as 
the the leader it feels like he's kind of the guy the team wants uh, as as even though he's not the most vocal leader in the media he has gotten better i will say as someone that covers his press conferences he, he is getting a little more talkative um but but you know they they put him up there on the stage uh you know at the at the parade i think this team really really likes nick bolton the the, the organization does he's a mizzou guy you know there's something to that maybe um, but also he is just the Mike linebacker, the green dot. You know, that's very important to kind of have that can be a consistent player. We saw him play be a three-down linebacker last year, which is a super valuable thing. I think you can make the argument that out of all the young linebackers they have, he's the one they sign multi-year. And you might see the other ones, uh, you know, maybe not sign those those kind of deals because of that. But Creed Humphrey and Nick Bolton, actually both both drafted right next to each other, the two guys I would say are most likely. That's fair. I'm going to go with Trent McDuffie. I think he's on his way to being, you know, a, a top corner in this league, a, a true number one type corner. And yes, that'll command some big dollars, but I think they finally see the value in that. And, and I think you want that headliner guy uh, to be your your drafted, your homegrown guy. So I, I think mm-hmm. Trent McDuffie uh, is is a potential uh, second contract type guy. And, and then I'm also going to go with Brian Cook again. The signs okay. pointing up, uh, and, and I think they can lock him in, maybe in a little bit under the radar type deal after his contract is up. Uh, that's pretty far down the road for for both guys, but uh, uh, but a couple to, to watch. Well, that, when neither of us said Lajarius Sneed, which he's probably the, one of the most talented players on this list. But, uh, you know, and you can see my notes. He's the one guy I, I couldn't really just throw one way or the other. I, it, it's question marks for me, man. I Likely is not the word I can use to describe what's going to happen with him. I'm, I'm really not sure. Um, I, I Again, I kind of talked about earlier. I'd love to keep him around. But, you know, cornerbacks can demand a lot of money, especially someone with the versatility he has. And he's due for an extension this offseason. And if it doesn't, you know, it, it's got to get done this season or he's not going to be a chief, I would imagine, in the future, um, unless obviously, you know, something goes crazy wrong in, in free agency next year and, and he's he's back. But yeah, uh, that's, I, I, that's a tough one because I do think his versatility and the things that he does on defense, uh, others have said this, but in everything other than being a lockdown coverage guy, he might be the best in the NFL, like blitzing, tackling. You right. know, all, all of the physicality, all of the, the versatility stuff that he does is is as good or better than anybody else in the league. Um, it just depends on is he going to get outside corner money or is he going to get slot hybrid type money? Those are very, very different levels of contracts. And I think if he's if they see him as a hybrid guy and he's willing to accept hybrid money, then, yeah, he'll get a new deal. If he sees himself as a outside corner, they see him as a hybrid guy. They're going to be pretty far apart on the contract, and he's probably going to have to go elsewhere. Yeah, I. It is going to be interesting. Is there anyone else on this list that you're kind of surprised you didn't? You, you kind of saw their name, and you think you figured you'd say likely, but then you really thought about. It, you're like, eh, really, it's not likely. Honestly, is there anyone else on this list that kind of jumped out to you, like in that sense? You know, you've got Trey Smith on here, and and I think that's right. one that I think the team loves him. I I love watching him play. He's one of those guys that is just a, a cornerstone of this offensive line at this point. Uh, they've got Joe Tooney, whose contract is going to be up in the next couple of years. And but do they continue to pay top tier money for guards? And, and that that's my big question with with Trey Smith. I think if yeah. you 
if you're comfortable paying another guard big dollars, it's probably not until Joe Tooney's off the roster. Uh, and then if they've got a cheap replacement for Tooney, then yeah, Trey Smith could get that deal. Uh, but if they have to go out and spend in free agency or they feel like they need to go out and spend in free agency to replace Joe Tooney, then all of a sudden uh, Trey Smith might be one that doesn't get a deal. Yeah, no, I Trey Smith was the one I was kind of looking at too in that in that respect because obviously he's one of the best at his position. He's proven that. But it's not the same as a center to me. I feel like Creed Humphrey yeah. at center, it's more of a home run. Like, look, get your center, get your guy, get the guy that's comfortable with Mahomes. They're obviously close. It guard now, is a little different. You can plug and play what, a little more. What would you say to those who say that they let uh, Mitch Morris, Rodney Hudson, uh, like all of these guys walk? Um, so do the Chiefs value the center in, in that same way? Are they willing to do the, the you know, position-defining contract for center? It's a super fair point. No, I, I've always thought, I've always said that the center position, you know, I've been banking on them to draft a center, and but I've been saying as they're doing it to draft a center, start him in his rookie deal, and then not resign him, right, and do it, you know, like they did, like you're mentioning with Rodney Hudson, Mitch Morse. Mitch Morse is a little interesting of a uh, discussion, right? He had some concussion issues. He had some injury problems uh, that kind of factored into that. Um, Rodney Hudson just kind of came at a weird time. You know, obviously he was he was kind of, between eras, you know, he wasn't drafted by the, the Andy Reid tenure, yeah. even though he was a, a good center. I think Creed Humphrey not only is, uh, you know, not only has he proven a lot as a player and his durability over the last couple seasons, I just think in, in general, he's just, a, you know, he, he's just shown to be, you know, really good, you know, uh, buddy to Mahomes. And, uh, you know, he's, he's already, pr- I mean, you know, Jason Kelsey calls him the best center in the NFL. I mean, obviously Kelsey's being a little modest there. Um, but, you know, he, he is considered – uh, by some the best there is and so i think you'll you lock them up and, and so that's yeah it's kind of it's as simple as that <laughs> i i can make a blanket statement here and say the guys most likely to re-sign sign before their their rookie contract is over right like if you yeah, if you yeah. can sign them early then, right, then right. you could do that uh, if you let them hit the market then then you've got trouble creed might be one that you offer early and try to get something oh, yeah. done uh well before you have to argue about you know, franchise tags, which is going to be a low number for a center, um, you know, and, and you probably true. don't want to get to that point with him. All right, let's do the negative side here. What are some not likely extensions? What are your top two least likely? I mean, the first one that screams or jumps out is Lucas Niang. It just, you know, that's that's not going anywhere. Um, but you know, if we're going over the obvious ones, you know, Joshua Kando is one that, that does not seem like we're, we're going to be getting there either. Um, yeah. he, he's probably, he's probably not going to be getting a multi-year extension. I, mean, I would say that's for sure. Those two guys might not be on the roster by week one. So yeah. it's, it's, you know, you hate to say that I like Lucas Niang and, and I think there was some potential in Kando, but, but you know, there's, their actions speak pretty loud when it comes to both of those players. And they've gone out and added at both positions pretty aggressively. So, uh, yeah, I think those are good calls. The The tough one here for me is is Willie Gay Jr. And, and I think he's somebody who just is, is loaded with talent, loaded with potential, um, does some things that nobody else on this roster could do very well. But – Again, you look at actions, and, and they have not extended him yet. He's getting closer to needing a deal. And they brought in Drew Tranquil, who is a player that takes some of those unique aspects of Willie Gay's game 
uh, and, and adds a you know at a low cost uh, additional you know third linebacker type role that it could step up and, and do more. And so, you know, it makes it feel like he's not as much in their long term plans as we'd like him to be. Well, I, I think this is where your your point earlier about the key word being multi year second contract here really factors in because Willie, it does get does it is feel like it's coming to the point where yes, it's, it, this is his, his uh, contract year, but he's gone through a lot. He hasn't really progressed necessarily. I think there's a chance, yeah, that that maybe you know he goes through this season, has a decent season, goes to free agency, tests it out, and could come back on a one year deal similar to a Drew Tranquil what he did this year, right? And and then Leo Chanel kind of steps up next year, um, but I just don't see really unless Willie Gay becomes an All Pro linebacker this year, I just really don't see it that he becomes a, a multi-year deal kind of guy and if he really does go off like that it's, it's probably like that someone else pays him that uh you know honestly um i think again i mentioned with nick bolton i think you can't pay two linebackers that's that's bad business yeah. man so uh nick bolton i think is gonna get that one multi-year deal out of the linebacker group yep that, that's a fair point uh anybody else on the not likely that we haven't talked about yet uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire probably is a, a pretty safe bet. Uh, you, you rarely pay a running back a second big contract you know, right. after their rookie deal, especially one that's essentially been replaced already during his, his rookie deal. Yeah, uh, Clyde is kind of in that same boat as Willie is where, like, you know, we could get to next offseason and Clyde's coming back on a one-year deal because we went through this whole season. He was healthy finally, and he had a very impactful season in the red zone as a receiver. Uh, maybe not, you know, being a full-time back, but kind of maybe filling in more for uh, McKinnon, which, you know, hey, guys, McKinnon's not going to, you know, be doing what he's been doing forever. You know, at some point he, he is he is pretty – he's going to get up there. Um, so I, I do think there's a possibility, again, he could resign the one-year deal, but obviously, like you said, no no way he's getting a multi-year deal from, from anybody unless he becomes uh, Barry Sanders this year. All right, let, let's move ahead to Tanner Pelzer's question. Could this be the best defense that Mahomes has had in his career? The free agent additions this year, the draft, the last two years. Um, what do you think about this defense um, for Mahomes? Yeah, well, when I, when I see this at first, I'm, I always think of the 2019 Super Bowl uh, team as a team with the best defense. I just feel like that first year with Spags, uh, Tyron really in his prime as an all-pro guy, Frank Clark, looking like the best version of him that we've seen as a chief. Um, I really felt like that was the best defense most of the time, but no, let's, let's break it down a little bit. I mean, you look at the pass rush. I think when you look specifically at the pass rush, you look at who was rushing the passer for the chiefs in that Super Bowl run, you know, a guy like Tano passing, yo was was taking a lot of snaps. Uh, Terrell Suggs, you know, down the stretch, obviously a really good player, um, you know, but a veteran kind of older, you know, it, it, it wasn't as, as many highlight, names as you'd think maybe um and they've stacked it pretty good this year we've already talked about it it's a very deep pass rush group i mean you're talking about um carloftis dana omenahue felix and udike uzama chris jones uh you know we saw tershawn wharton there and then you know we, they still have the, the blitz that that spags really unlocked last year at times it felt like then you look at linebackers I would say, definitely say the chiefs have better linebackers than they've had in the mahomes era this is probably the the best uh They've had the best linebacker position they've had since the DJ days. And then the coverage in the back end, if you kind of, you know, isolate kind of the defensive backfield. I mean, Tyron in his all pro season, it's tough to to beat him. But 
in terms of the overall depth, man, you have a lot of young guys that, that contributed in big ways last year. You have, uh, you know, still that veteran in Justin Reed and Legereus Sneed. You know, I, I think it's it's closer than you think. So the more you, I think about it, I mean, it could be personnel-wise, you know, Spags is still here running, calling the shots. I It could be the best defense they've had in the Mahomes era. Do, what are you thinking? I'm going to say yes because they're young and they've got a lot of experience. So you've got players right, who started as rookies that are already going to be playing like veterans that are in their second season. Uh, I like this this year's draft class as well. They went heavy on defense, and and I think some of these players uh, might even be uh, underrated as far as how much they could contribute. But we talked all offseason about how this team doesn't need a whole nother rookie class to start like they did last year. So this defense is is pretty well stacked. You're right. The linebackers are better than they've ever been. The, the pass rush might be better than it's been, especially if they were to add one more uh, veteran uh, as our next topic might, uh, uh, might hint to towards. So yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, it's going to be, and, and it's going to be for, uh, it's going to be more sustainable than the 2019 model was. Yeah, no, I, I, and the 2019 thing, the cool thing about that was that was the first year of Spags. You know, that was when everyone was still learning each other. You know, now they yeah. can do so much more because the, the team knows the philosophy, the terminology. Um, but you're yeah, right. I mean, we, we are. Go ahead. So I was going to say, you can expand on that from, from last year's uh, coverage uh, unit. So the, the cornerbacks ran a pretty basic scheme, it seemed like, for a lot of the season because they're, mm-hmm. they're all, they were all rookies. Uh, they can open up a little bit more this season now that those guys have the experience under their belts. But yeah, I think you were about to transition to Christian Martinez's question um, or Christian Martinez's statement and kind of in the things that, that we're, we're acknowledging from a news stand, standpoint. His report uh, put some uh, respect on my guy Christian's name. No, I'm <laughs> uh, no uh, Christian Martinez, actually, I, I did get the chance to meet him at the NFL draft. Uh, cool dude uh, uh, goes to UMKC, uh, writes for uh, and cover sports for them. Um, but he did tweet out, and I kind of got uh, made the the rounds on Chiefs Twitter. Uh, Frank Clark is looking to get a deal done with the Kansas City Chiefs per source. Clark may stay in Kansas City after all. Were his, was his exact words? Were his exact words? I should say. Now, pretty clear that he's he's saying, and he and he he followed up and made sure people understood that he is saying that Frank Clark is is, is trying to get a deal done with the Chiefs. That does not necessarily mean the Chiefs are being reciprocal, or the Chiefs are necessarily trying themselves to get it done, but. This is obviously something that on the player's side, it, it, it wants or they want to happen, right? Chris Jones is, has been, you know, setting an alarm daily to, to tweet out a, something about uh, Frank Clark uh, getting signed. Clark wants to be here. He just built a beautiful home here. Uh, you know, he, he's, he, he wants to settle here. Um, he's been pretty clear about that. If you, if you uh, listen to any press conferences where he's asked about his future here and just, if they do do that, man, I, you know, you, I, we already talked about the room being pretty stacked. You know, you really, really, really round out the room. you got Frank Clark in that Carlos Dunlap role, um, but you still have a little more juice now because you have that extra rookie in FAU. I don't know, man. I, I think it's a good idea. I think it probably would make sense uh, financially. I can't imagine, it. He, you know, he, he can demand too much. But, you know, I'm sure he can't – you know, he's not going to get better in minimum. Um, I don't know. I, I What are you thinking here? It, it's obviously Frank Clark wants to be here, but – should the Chiefs do it? Should the Chiefs uh, uh, call, him, call him back? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think this is um, – it makes sense as a veteran minimum type deal. Uh, they did this last year even though they had uh, – you know, they had enough to go line up. They still brought in Carlos Dunlap, uh, you know, as a veteran additional pass rusher. Seems like they do that every year just to make sure that there's a full rotation there and, and you don't have to rely on the rookie too much. 
especially early on in that season. They love Frank. Um, and this is not necessarily a, you know, 2 a.m. The bar is closing, you know, people looking for looking for, for hookups, you know, somebody to go home with. I, I, I don't think it's a desperation type situation, uh, at least on the Chiefs side. I think they like him. I think Frank likes the Kansas City. It's a good match if they can make things work. Um, I saw, I think Christian maybe followed up and said that uh, uh, them pursuing Hopkins may be, uh, may put put this on hold for, for the time being. Um, you know, I think Clark is one of those guys that could sign after training camp and still be impactful. Yeah. He doesn't necessarily need to come to camp, um, even though, even though you like his presence there. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be upset about that. Uh, just really pushing that room, pushing that rotation. Uh, yeah, it, it would affect, you know, Kando and Herring and, and the kind of the bottom of the roster guys. Maybe B.J. Thompson ends up getting, you know, redshirted this year uh, if that were the case. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of logic around him coming back, kind of like Jarek McKinnon. Everybody knew that he was coming back at some point. Yeah, exactly. It is very similar to Jarek McKinnon. Um, and, and, and that's the, that's the thing we've always said about Frank Clark is, is we love him when that, that number next to his, his, his uh, contract deal is a lot less than it was when, when he was playing uh, with, you know, these last few years, because, uh, you know, as much, as good of a player as he is, he was never worth the amount of money he was making. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was a lot, but now you don't have to worry about that anymore. You can just, you can just uh, enjoy Frank's presence on the team and not complain about his contract. Because we certainly got a plenty of those questions over over the years, Stags. But let's let's kind of run down the rest of this with uh, just some kind of some. Uh, we got some new rules, Stags. We got some uh, other takes from uh, Andy Reid uh, at OTAs. Um, first of all, yeah, there's a new fair catch rule that that Andy Reid kind of had a comment on, which we're actually going to get Kramer here to play it uh, for us. So why don't we go ahead and listen to what Andy Reid had to say about the new rule, the fair catch rule, where uh, anywhere you catch it on the kickoff the possession can still start at the 25. So even if you're catching it in the field to play, if you fair catch it, it will start at the 25. This is what Andy Reid had to say about it. I don't know. We'll have to go through all that. I, my, my thing is, where does it stop, right? So you start taking pieces and, um, you know, we'll see how this goes. But you don't want to take too many pieces away or you'll be playing flag football. Yeah, I, I it is and Travis Kelsey. Honestly, we should get his, his too because Kelsey had a had a pretty hilarious uh, reaction to it too. Chiefs not uh, not a fan of this. Uh, Stags, are you a fan of this? You know, it's uh, it's not the best. I, I, I understand the logic behind it. I think there's a inherent risk of concussions due to kickoff returns, and and so many teams in the NFL are pretty happy taking the touchback anyway, expanding that. Uh, reducing the kickoff. I see where they're going with it. You know, of course I don't love it. I, I grew up in the era of special teams, kick returns being the thing from Dante Hall to, to Mark Vanover to, you know, whoever this was a team, Tyreek Hill, um, hell, even Niall Davis in the first playoff win in, in years. Oh, yeah. Uh, those kickoff returns are, have been a big deal around here in Kansas city. And, and I think the chiefs still have the type of coaching staff that even with this rule, will say, Bring it out anyway, and, and, and maybe this uh, maybe coverage teams are going to start banking on the fact that there's a fair catch coming, uh, and you might see more exciting kickoff returns because uh, uh, they're not expecting anybody to be dumb enough to bring it out, and the Chiefs are just that dumb. So I don't know. It, it might be uh, it, it might be interesting to see how teams adjust to it. 
Uh, I, I'm not too high or too low on this change. It, it is just – it is what it is. No, I think you're right, though. Special teams coordinators can boycott it. I mean, they can just not do the fair catching and, and just keep going, and it, or, that's or, definitely yeah, like possible. I said, use it to their advantage. It's a little bit of a uh, element of surprise there to say, all right, just ho-hum, another kickoff. It's, it's about to be a touchback, uh, and, and then uh, uh, taking it and running it anyway. Well, how about how about this other rule that they they passed uh, the third quarterback on game day rule? Um, you know, before actually, you were not you were not able to have a third quarterback uh, active, uh, which I, I didn't really understand. Um, I uh, you know I I didn't quite get that. There was no exception for it. Now there is. I mean that it, you can have a third quarterback who doesn't count for the game day roster um, dress on game days. I'm calling it the Brock Purdy rule because obviously. I think it, it stems from the fact that the 49ers, you know, just had no chance last year after after you know a couple quarterbacks went out in the NFC Championship. They had they they just had no chance to go to the Super Bowl, and that's just not what the NFL wants. Um, and so now there is a rule that changes that. So um, all this does is give Shane Bouchelle a chance at playing on Sundays, right? Stags, I don't know. Is there any other takes here? Yeah, I mean, the league used to have the rule that that allowed the extra quarterback to be. Uh, to be the 46th man on game day, and then they just let any player be that 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 roster spot. So it, it no longer was specific to the quarterback, and now they're adding another one back for the quarterback. Uh, it's fine, whatever. You know that it's a good rule. Uh, I'd have been much more excited about it if the if that quarterback could be on the practice squad. Uh, then you're expanding your your actual 53 man roster. Um, it's it's tough to carry three quarterbacks on the active roster. Uh, you know, it'd be nice to carry two, have one on the practice squad, and then call him up in the case of an emergency. Let him dress uh, on game days in case of an emergency. That would be that'd be more impactful, as far as I'm concerned. This is, you know, whatever. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely with you on that. Travis Kelsey was definitely had a, had a again a, a very uh, vibrant uh, reaction to that, which I just thought was funny. I, I love that podcast, by the way. If you're not listening to New Heights. Um, just great perspective uh, from from those two guys, and they're just good at podcasting. I don't know how you can be that good at football and good that good at podcasting. It's kind of annoying because this isn't as easy as it as it should as it's supposed <laughs> to be. Um, but here we go. Uh, let's talk about uh, what Rocky coined uh, the death of the fullback on the site. Rocky Magana wrote about how uh, the Chiefs are not carrying a fullback right now, and and Andy Reid had some comments on it during OTAs. Made the comment that, uh, you know, the tight ends will work into the fullback spot. Maybe you can keep an extra tight end um, kind of hinting or, or pointing, you know, reacting to the fact that we are in June now and and there is no fullback on the roster. Stags, we talked about it last week quite a bit, um, but we didn't get these comments yet. And this is Andy kind of, you know, uh, playing into it more, right? Playing into the fact that they don't have one and maybe pointing to the fact that Blake Bell or Noah Gray, who did play some fullback in college, um, albeit not like a traditional fullback, um, but they line up in the backfield in college. It might be the time we've been talking about on the show forever. It might, it, it, Andy Reid might be pointing to it, or are we, are we being naive, Stags? I, I don't know what yeah, you think. For whatever reason, this has been my favorite offseason topic is the the role of the fullback right. in the Chiefs offense. But I, I'm going to say one, I like it. I, I, I think there you give yourself as much roster flexibility as you can. I would have personally. Drafter, you know Hunter Lupiki and and oh, we know. Had, a, uh, <laughs> had another fullback on the roster that is a versatile player, but um, you know given that chance has has passed, you know I don't see anybody out there that would be a super exciting addition to this offense. So why not 
leverage that roster spot for a deep wide receiver room or a deep offensive line room, and then use those tight ends in multiple ways, make it less predictable because the fullback dive was great when it worked. It's been terrible when it hasn't worked because it's been so predictable. When you, when you see that fullback come on the field, you probably know what's about to happen. So uh, I'm good with it. Uh, but I also want to throw out there, don't necessarily believe everything you hear this time of, mm-hmm. this time of year or basically any time in the offseason when the coaches speak. You know, he didn't close the door. He didn't say it is official the Kansas City Chiefs will no longer carry a fullback on the roster for the foreseeable future. He said, eh, you know, we didn't have one, so, so maybe yeah. Noah Gray can fill that role. Maybe we keep an extra tight end. That's not definitive. It's not over yet, uh, but the door is uh, the door is mostly closed. And, and I think having Noah Gray in that versatile role only pushes his stock higher. Yeah, and, and honestly, I, I was looking at some old tweets uh, from when we drafted Noah Gray of mine. And, and one thing I did say then, because uh, it is true, is he was kind of a – he was 240, you know, 240 pounds coming out. It's not like this, this bigger, stronger guy or anything. But he did line up at fullback. He he would lead plays, uh, you know, lead running plays and and run out of the backfield, uh, you know, as a it's called you know more of an H back. But he was lining up in the backfield quite a bit at Duke. I kind of made the comment that you know if he does get a couple years of maybe NFL strength, NFL weight room kind of thing, like maybe he can kind of do it. Then maybe it'll take a little bit though. And so I'm not just saying that to 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 pat myself on the back. We don't know what's going on yet either. That's that's it's not like we even know. But it's more just to say that. It does make sense that maybe now that he has gotten maybe the NFL blocking down, he feels more comfortable, you know, taking on guys in space and, and handling himself, you know, three years into this now. Maybe they yeah. do feel better about him actually playing legitimate fullback rather than, uh, you know, just being traditional tight end. So. And this is this is a very simplistic way of looking at it. But if you look at your the composition of your tight end room, uh, you have Blake Bell, who's six foot six. You've got Travis Kelfrey, who is, he what, is huge. Five. Uh, you've got Jody Fortson, who's. He's also 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, if I remember right. Oh, yeah, he's tall, yeah. Uh, Noah Gray is 6'3". So right. uh, Noah Gray is basically my size with, a, a, obviously, a, a different competition <laughs> than, than me. So, uh, you know, there's a, there, there is a little bit more of a profile. If you need somebody to stick their nose in there as a lead blocker, uh, maybe a, a guy who's 6'3", looks better doing it than a guy who's 6'6". Six, six. All right, well, let's uh... – Let's get to the end here with uh, let's 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 end with making fun of some AFC West teams. Does that sound good, Stags? Because uh, I didn't even I I I I threw the Raiders in here as a kind of a oh you know we can we can talk about that. But I also am poking fun at the Broncos. I realize I have a couple now we can poke fun at because uh, Jared uh, at Osho Casey Jared, a good listener of ours, uh, put this out on Twitter. I thought it was uh, funny. Uh, the Broncos released kicker Brandon McManus, right? And the Jaguars picked him up. There is now no longer a single player on the Broncos roster has ever beaten the Chiefs as a Bronco. So that team is completely void of anybody who knows what it's like to to beat the Chiefs. They have not won since 2015. I love that stat. Um, any 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 reaction there, Stags? We're, we're almost getting to a decade now. I mean, it's it's we're getting close. Yeah, the scoreboard says it all there. There's no... Uh, uh, there's no rivalry there until they start winning <laughs> an occasional game. So uh, I don't know what's going on in, in Denver, but uh, I, I don't hate it when they're bad. Well, and then we had the Raiders. Uh, this actually came out pretty recently, uh, uh, very recently. 
you know, they, they, they signed Jimmy G this off season, right. You know, kind of bridging, you know, the, the gap from Derek Carr to maybe that next uh, quarterback. Well, what didn't come out when he first signed is that he failed his physical. And because of that, uh, he, and he, he has the right in his contract to be cut and not owed anything. Um, if he doesn't pass his physical by the time the season starts. So, the Raiders are kind of all of a sudden on maybe on panic mode, and this is where maybe you know if Kramer, if you want to, if if you want to get your take out, or if you just want to get any emotions out, because you know I honestly I think you could talk yourself into Jimmy G with these weapons, you know, kind of maybe making it work. You know, I think Josh McDaniels brewing it up in his second year there. Man, if they don't get Jimmy G on the field, it it, it just might be another lost season. I don't know. Do you want to do you want to get any takes off Kramer? The only thing that's annoying is they already knew the the problem with Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo's entire time. I mean, like when he first started right. off in New England, they had, he didn't finish out that first stint when he was filling in for Tom Brady because he got hurt the exact same way. So I'm not, I'm really not shocked that he's not healthy, but it's just annoying being frustrated being a Raiders fan knowing that okay, Brian Hoyer is going to be our starting quarterback for Week One possibly, and it's like Brian Hoyer, Hoyer who's 37 years old in the league. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, if for any, I should have prefaced with yeah, uh, Kramer, the producer, our producer is a Raiders fan, and so he's he's going through it with us. But you know, we'll we'll uh, he, he's he's he, he's used to kind of Chiefs fans laughing in his in his misery lately. Exactly. So uh, he's he's a good sport, but uh, but no, any and just uh, any any hope though. I mean, are we you know is it are we are we trying to find are we trying to get Tom Brady out of retirement? Are we? Uh, I mean, <laughs> is there any other quarterback out there? I mean, there's there's some veterans out there. Carson Wentz. Carson oh, Wentz. Don't definitely start with Carson Wentz. No, thank you. I, I might as well stick with Brian Hoyer if I want Carson Wentz on my team. No, no, this is just it's just a sad, sad day to be Raiders fan. It's good for you guys knowing that the Raiders are still going to be like the third or fourth best team in the division for the Chiefs. Exactly. Stags, is there is there any other uh, is there any other punches you want to throw at that Kramer uh, before we get out of here? <laughs> no, man, I'm I'm good. It's a uh, it is a sad state of affairs. A lot of people would argue the league is better off when the Raiders are good because they're such a popular team and people like their, I don't know, people like their colors or something. I'm not sure why they're that popular, but uh, it is a, uh, you know, I, there's a little part of me that misses the rivalry from the nineties uh, on uh, from the Raiders to, to just to, to be able to hate on them. And you can't even hate on them now. It's just, it's just sad they'll still probably play the chiefs competitive and they'll still lose. And it'll just be status quo going forward, whether it's Tom Brady, Brian Hoyer, Jimmy G or, you know, Shane Bouchelle as their starting quarterback this year. Hey, they'll just be tanking for Caleb Williams, Kramer. Just tell yourself that, you know, you'll have Caleb Williams next year in Vegas. He'll be, you know, he'll be Devonte Adams will still somehow be there. He, he, he will somehow stick through it all. Now that, 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 that's the hope right there. Uh, no, you know, we 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 were going to look at some UDFAs, but let's just we'll, we'll pile all those up and, and talk about them another time, Stags. Let's uh, you know, we we can kind of highlight those when we get closer to training camp maybe. So, uh, you know, I I think we're good, uh, you know, I, I think it's good to end the show on a high note in terms of laughing at the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, those the division rivalries, um, you know, they can make things fun, but it's also there's never been a better time to be a Chiefs fan uh in, in this uh potential dynasty that we're living in now with them building for the future with the, the long-term approach here and the short term, uh, every bit of news feels like it's good news. And, and it's uh we're just counting down the dates of the season. I saw that uh, by the time you listen to this, there'll be 99 days until the season opener. Uh, that's uh Keandre Coburn days. Uh, yes. We're going by Jersey numbers. 
uh, an exciting rookie uh, that we should hopefully see a lot of uh, by the opener. So thank you all for being with us on the Out of Structure podcast. Make sure you tune in, rate, and review all of the Arrowhead Pride podcast network and the content on arrowheadpride.com. Uh, be back with you in a couple more weeks as we get some more takes off about the rest of the offseason program, the additional OTA sessions, and getting ready for St. Joe training camp. So we will talk to you all later. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.